Hello, everyone. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. You're listening to the Labor Day weekend edition of the Motley Fool's Industry Focus. My name is Gabby LaPera, and joining me in the studio are all of the Industry Focus hosts, which is pretty rad. Hey, guys. Hey, Gabby. Hi, Gabby. How's it going, Gabby? I'm really glad that Dylan was paying attention instead of panning around the room with his phone. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little treat for our Twitter followers. Okay, well, if you're listening to this, go ahead and look at our Twitter feed. It's MF Industry Focus. Um, so, I want to start off by thanking the labor movement for this wonderful weekend that we're having right now. Uh, the labor movement brought you wonderful things like workplace safety, weekends, and protections for workers. So, thanks, guys. Um, so, this show obviously is not one of my regular Monday shows. I have everyone in the studio with me, and we thought that we would do kind of a primer to industry focus. That is what this show is all about. And to do that, what we're going to do is we're going to start off by just kind of introducing ourselves, saying why you should care about our sector, aka why our sectors are the best sectors, to give kind of an intro to to people who maybe haven't listened to the show as much. Um, And then we'll just, you know, we'll talk about trends and stocks and things that we're really excited about in our sectors. Um, Is everyone cool with that? Sounds Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, so in that case, I'm gonna go in order of the week, which means I get to go first. That's totally a coincidence, guys. Like, <laughs> you have a prepared monologue. <laughs> just a prepared monologue. Um, so my name is Gabby Lapera. Just in case you didn't catch that the first couple times I said that, I do the Monday Industry Focus. It's the financials edition, which is pretty cool. I know that most people think that financials are really stodgy and boring and sad, and they can be. Um, but I make them super fun. And the truth is that the industry is actually super interesting and it's evolving and it's like this this nexus of innovation. And the reason that you should care about financials so much is that without financials, the world doesn't run, right? Like you don't have economies, you don't have governments, you don't have anything like that. So you have this like really cool, complicated system that kind of works like an organism with its tentacles spread out all over the world and everyone has to interact with it. So, you know, that's my pitch for financials. Most exciting show of the week, Mondays. Don't forget. <laughs> I like I like that you said complicated because I, I think one of the the credits, particularly to you and Christine on Wednesdays, is just that you take what is a very difficult sector and make it much more accessible to the average person. Thank you so much, Dylan Lewis. Dylan is at the end of the week, so you'll hear from him shortly, I suppose. <laughs> Let's uh, pass it on to Vince. Tuesday show. Hey everybody, uh, I'm Vin Chen, and I am the host of the Tuesday Show, which covers consumer and retail. And the reason why I feel very grateful and fortunate to be able to cover this sector is that it often includes a lot of the names, household names, and really famous brands that a lot of people interact with and come to know and love in their everyday lives. I think if you're especially an early investor, there's a big advantage to start with companies or businesses that you're familiar with and interested in. And beyond that, you know, I think in the past, uh, it, a lot of the innovation and the high growth investment opportunities uh, would typically be associated with sectors like technology or with healthcare. But the I feel like a lot of the innovation is spilling into all aspects of how we shop in terms of our entertainment options, how we travel, and the consumer retail sector has close ties to really core aspects of our identity and this growth as well. And I just think it's really interesting right now as well that there are more tools than ever to be an entrepreneur and to start a new business with resources to manage things like payroll, handle your inventory or accounting, and access larger customer bases. And I think a lot of that 
those new businesses will be consumer and retail focused. Basically, uh, an early look at the next phase of what you know future the future will look like. Okay, I'm going to call it now. I'm going to say that each one of us is going to say our sector is exciting because of innovation. <laughs> um, speaking of innovation, let's talk about a sector that has actually a lot of innovation in it. Christine Hargis. Hi, I'm Christine Hargis, and I cover healthcare, which is absolutely ripe with innovation. It's really incredible. <laughs> The reason that I absolutely love covering the healthcare sector is because it is always changing and it brings improvements to people's lives when they need it the most. So many of the innovations that get the most media attention are luxuries, improvements on states that are already pretty good. But healthcare, at its best moments, takes dire situations and brings them hope. New drugs are often approved for conditions previously without a cure or for treatment in patients who have failed prior therapies. And in this way, biotech stocks in particular give hope in the darkest of times. And they are just so much fun to cover because they are always changing, always improving upon what they've done previously. I won't say the word innovating. And (laughs) they give us lots of catalysts to talk about on the show every single Wednesday. I feel really shallow after that explanation about why healthcare is the greatest sector. (laughs) Don't know about anyone else. Um, So, listeners, extra special treat for you today. Besides us all being in the studio together, I would like to introduce, drum roll please, (laughs) our new industry focus host, Sarah Priestley. Thank you, Gabby. I don't know if I can quite live up to that introduction. (laughs) Uh, My name's Sarah Parisi. I'll be taking over from Sean uh, to do the energy and industrial show. Um, I do believe this is probably the most fascinating sector amongst all that we're talking about today, but then I would say that because I'm biased. Um, I think we're really going to push kind of the definition of uh, energy and industrials, and we're going to broaden our horizons, talk a little bit about defense, logistics, materials, uh, utilities, um, and obviously regularly touch upon uh, energy also. Uh, But the reason that I think it's a fascinating industry uh, is it's really often a lot of these companies, they're seen as complicated, they're seen as slow moving and boring. But they're at the forefront of a lot of tech trends that Dylan talks about all the time. (laughs) AI um, and deep learning, those kind of things are really pushing uh, the industry forward. And they're fundamentally necessary for your everyday life. So sorry, Gabby, to take that one from you. But, you know, we also need roads. Um, (laughs) So there's companies like uh, Boeing's, Cummins Diesel, Next Era Energy. They've all demonstrated fantastic returns for uh, for investors over the past 10 to 15 years. And I think that they're stocks that often get overlooked. And that means that um, there's a lot of buy opportunities for these. Um, and investors often get paid to hold them while they wait for their returns. So overall, uh, I think there's a huge amount of interesting stories in the industry to talk about right now. Um, often they're long-standing, stable organizations, which is a slightly different perspective than some of the other industries that we cover. And the bottom line is it's just a great area of the market for investors uh, who want good returns and want to get paid for them while they wait. Okay, guys. So, FYI, Sarah never comes underprepared to anything. So, if you were just so excited at that description of the energy and industrial sector, you have so much more of that in store for you starting in (laughs) September when Sarah takes over the show. Um, The other really cool thing about Sarah, listeners, is besides that, you know, she's an immigrant to our great country here in America, (laughs) Um, is that she used to work for Rolls-Royce. So, she has some firsthand experience in the industrial sector, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, I do. Um, Yields and manufacturing returns and production times were my life for a while. So, hopefully, I'll make everybody as enthusiastic about those as I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much for joining us. I I can speak for all of us in saying that we're all super excited to have you on the cast. Thank you. And now, Dylan Lewis. 
the the man with the sector that actually has innovation in it. <laughs> innovation, innovation left and right in tech. Um, you know, unlike I think uh, Sarah's sector, uh, where, 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 where let me finish, uh, where you have like companies that have been around for quite some time uh, with these established histories. You know, with with tech, um, that's sometimes the case in, with companies like Apple, uh, but very often you have kind of these upstarts, and I think. To kind of rope in what a lot of you guys have talked about, um, what we're seeing more and more is that the definition of tech is changing a little bit, and that a lot of companies that are kind of conventionally tech are getting into all of these other industries. And so, you know, you think about what's going on in the payment space with PayPal, Venmo, Square. You know, people are paying for things in a different way than they used to, and that's going to disrupt that space a little bit. Um, you look over at what's going on in autonomous vehicle technology. Uh, Apple and Alphabet are making huge investments there, and those are conventional tech companies kind of getting into the industrial space. And then, you know, looking at CG, <laughs> so, I'm not taking you all guys one by one here, but um, you know, like Panera is a company that has kind of dramatically changed how people order things and done a lot to update their tech. Um, Which I love, by the way. I love. I feel so bad about this, but I love not having to interact with another human being when I'm hangry. <laughs> it's it's a fool favorite. A lot of people like doing the online ordering, mm-hmm. and that's just an example of tech bleeding <laughs> into the CG sector. Um, so so I think it's important for investors to understand what the upstarts are doing. Well, I can't touch what's going on in biotech. I don't understand that industry, so I can't oh, do anything to take out. down Christine. I know. And I was going to make fun of you too for having like a bite out of all of our meals. Like you can't just have what you ordered. <laughs> no, I, I know where my my competence stops, and so I'm not going to fire any shots over at uh, biotech. Just the uh, rest of us. Just cool. the rest of us. <laughs> but um, in addition to kind of tech becoming larger and larger, I think. Um, if you are invested in some of the incumbent industries, um, it's important to kind of see where they're moving and, and understand how they might be disrupted. And so, even if you're not a conventional tech investor, just kind of seeing the general trend of things can be really helpful. No, that's totally true. And that actually leads me perfectly into what I wanted to talk about next, which is kind of exciting things that we think are trends going on in our fields and like stories that we're really excited about, stocks to watch, all that really good stuff that you'll find on every delicious episode of Industry Focus. <laughs> Um, I love that adjective. Thank you. You would think we were recording this right before lunch. (laughs) (laughs) I could eat again. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Second lunch should be it should be a real thing and not just a movie thing. Um, But no, I uh, I think that for my sector, one of the really really exciting trends to watch is uh, Bitcoin um, and cryptocurrencies, and not just because I'm an anarchist that thinks that we shouldn't have. Central banking. I actually do think we should have central banking for the record. But um, I'm glad you clarified. <laughs> thank you. No problem. I'll probably get a listener email about it later. Um, but uh, no, Bitcoin and, and other cryptocurrencies are really, really exciting because it's it's not just the currencies themselves, but also the technology that they're built on blockchain, um, which could revolutionize the space. And it's it's definitely the story and trend that you need to be watching right now in financials because if Bitcoin and Ethereum and other cryptocurrencies like it actually take off, then we are going to have a complete upheaval in how the financial systems look. Like just to start with, Western Union is going to be a goner. Like if you can transfer money for free, Western Union is not going to be a thing anymore. <laughs> um, you heard it here first. Um, but other stuff like Bank of America or PayPal is just stuff that you don't that you could just kind of take for granted. It's all going to change, which is super duper exciting. Do you have any companies in particular that you're watching in the space? Oh, thank you so much um, for asking. I'm so excited that you, that you did. Uh, so for me, one of the, the big companies, the big companies that I'm watching right now in the space 
for payments are PayPal, um, Visa, and MasterCard. And it's not necessarily because I think they're going to do great, but because I think that they have the best chance of surviving any sort of like fundamental shift in the environment. But there's also a company that's maybe not a traditional financials company that might be good to watch, which is IBM, which is experimenting with blockchain technology. Super cool stuff. Talking about IBM, that's you actually. That's me. Dylan Lewis. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about what's going on in tech. Um, I think something that a lot of people don't realize when when you think about e-commerce and retail is that e-commerce penetration at this point is like less than 10% in the United States. And so um, there's still a very long growth runway here domestically and a lot of other developing markets. And so um, when you look at companies like the Amazons of the world, like the Shopify's of the world, there's still a very long runway for them uh, to continue building out business and get a larger and larger portion of the overall retail business. Um, one company in addition to those two that I'm particularly interested in this space is Mercado Libre. And uh, for those that might not be familiar with them, they are basically the Amazon, PayPal, eBay, Craigslist of Latin America. They kind of do it all in this very large suite of products that they offer. Um, and at, at this point, Latin American uh, e-commerce is about 3% of retail sales. Internet penetration is much lower there than it is in the United States. And so, um, it's a company that will have some hiccups here and there, because uh, they denominate uh, earnings in several different currencies, and then have to bring it back to the US dollar. So, there's a lot of um, kind of currency fluctuations that can impact their results. But I think long term, love the tailwinds for this business, and I love the general trend of e-commerce. I think we're still in the very early innings. Yeah, I know that's going to be a really, really interesting stock to follow, even just from like a geopolitical standpoint as well. So that's that's a really good pick, Dylan. Good oh, job. You're welcome. <laughs> um, talking about online e-commerce, they have to sell something, right, Vince? Yes, they do. So Dylan, thank you um, for bringing up some of those big trends because. They do segue really well into some of the trends that we're seeing in the consumer and retail space. And the big thing that I wanted to bring up is something you probably noticed if you go to your local shopping mall or town center, for example, is the growing importance of experiential shopping. So, uh, focusing on experiences, uh, there's plenty of surveys and studies out there basically saying younger generation uh, would rather spend money on experiences than, mater than material goods. But the way that is bearing out, um, even though you mentioned e-commerce only has that uh, less than 10% penetration rate, you've seen the fallout in the retail side in terms of store closures, bankruptcies. And so, even if you go uh, to my hometown, there's two shopping malls. One has become uh, a much broader experience with uh, a movie theater, all these new restaurants opening up, so uh, and also residential uh, development around that mall to kind of create this nexus of activity to sustain itself. Whereas the traditional shopping mall basically has, like at this point, 40% occupancy is on the verge of closing, and that's a kind of high-level view of the growing popularity of this type of property, where uh, you have to combine things like dining, shopping, and entertainment so they can feed each other's businesses. And uh, even if you go to an apparel retailer like Nike and Adidas, for example, also focusing on experiences, you look at their big stores, their flagship stores that they've opened in major cities recently, and they will feature really unique spaces. Like like uh, a half-court basketball court, a track and field area so you can give their shoes a test run, or even des design studios where you can sit down at a computer and kind of customize 
the way your shoe looks before you buy it. And um, in the restaurant industry, for example, as well, a lot of uh, companies here have seen reduced comparable sales or are struggling uh, with lower traffic. But then you have a company like David Buster's, which offers games and food, and they're still logging above average growth for the industry. And a lot of that is because of the amusement side of the business. So putting all that together, the e-commerce side, the experiences. I think uh, one other company, uh, besides the ones that I've mentioned, that's really good to watch is Home Depot. Um, right now, they are enjoying some kind of macro-level headwinds uh, from the housing market and the cycle for home repairs, and they're really disciplined with their store footprint. But the thing is, they're still managing to grow their customer traffic and comps. They have really strong management team, and I think they have a business and products that even an Amazon, for example, is really hard-pressed to disrupt. And with that, it's a really good option, I think, for investors to look at right now. Yeah, actually, you hear uh, people talk about Amazon-proof businesses, and I think one of the reasons that Home Depot falls into that category is when you go to Home Depot, you're generally looking for expertise in addition to whatever you're buying. You know, you want help when you're doing your floors over, or you're maybe replacing a window or something like that. You want to make sure you're putting the right stuff in your house. Yep, absolutely. And they have workshops now and and tutorials in stores, for example, to get people in to add that extra value so that they will spend their dollars at the store and not you know just go online or something like that. That and it's full of contractors always who are there like picking up equipment that they need right then. Here we all are selling Vince's stock. <laughs> <laughs> you did a really good job on touching on all of our industries, which makes me feel all warm and fuzzy besides Christine's. Sorry, Christine. <laughs> just constantly <laughs> left out. <laughs> but uh, talking about Home Depot, let's talk lumber. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really bad transition, but I'm looking at Sarah because lumber does fall under her purview with the energy and industrial I, I'm, show. I'm sure we will be talking about lumber at some point. But one thing I do want to talk about is artificial intelligence, which I think has the potential to revolutionize every industry we each discuss, and even Christine's. Um, but I think it has the potential to um, massively improve efficiency in uh, particularly logistics and manufacturing, but also energy and industrials. There's already a huge amount of evidence of that. If you look at the airline industry, they used a subset of AI called deep learning, which analyzes vast amounts of unstructured and unlabeled data to achieve 2 to 4% saving on fuel consumption. It sounds really small, but when you consider that uh, 40% of their costs come from jet fuel, it's actually a massive improvement for them. Um, and something that consumers probably might see on the bottom line, who knows. Uh, companies like Honeywell and GE are really spearheading advancement in this, sec- in this sector, and GE is uh, especially important, I think, a company to watch. At the minute, it's been uh, hammered of late because it's been through a restructuring. It's got some recent turmoil with uh, 16-year veteran CEO leaving to be replaced by John Flannery, who's actually used to be head of GE Healthcare. Um, so they are focusing very much on their industrial core and the industrial internet. So they really want to use the vast amount of data generated by their installed base to deliver some of these efficiency savings through um, AI and deep learning. That, that was a that was a much better job of including healthcare than I have done throughout the I, show. I really tried to <laughs> be Thank inclusive. You, Sarah. <laughs> you, you maybe should have been the host for this one. But um, on Watch that note, the throne yet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on that very, very ominous note, Christine, why don't you tell us a little bit about the healthcare sector? <laughs> sure thing. So, healthcare, as we have already discussed, is an ever changing industry. And it's a very, very exciting one because so much of the interest in healthcare comes at very early stages of companies' life cycles 
like in particular before drugs are actually approved. One huge trend within the healthcare industry that's getting a lot of attention, especially for companies that don't really have well-established businesses quite yet, is the expansion of marijuana, particularly medical marijuana. That's what makes it healthcare to begin with. While the drug remains Schedule One, meaning that the federal government does not recognize any medical reasons for this drug, it is slowly gaining a foothold in this country as well as others. And this overall movement is being called the green rush, kind of like the gold rush of the mid-19th century, because there is such a potential to profit from it. When you look at some of the marijuana stocks, they're trading at these absolutely insane multiples because there's so much hype and there's so much excitement about where this industry could be heading. I've seen projections of incredible growth over the next five years or so. And with that, I think you get into a little bit of a dangerous territory with a lot of these stocks that are trading at insane multiples. But one that I will put on people's radar as a little bit safer way to play this, not completely safe, nothing in healthcare really is, but it's called GW Pharmaceuticals. The ticker is GWPH. And they have a drug that is a liquid form of a cannabis plant-derived cannabidol. So it's not psychoactive, meaning you're not going to get high off of it, but it could potentially treat some rare forms of epilepsy epilepsy, and you are going to potentially see this drug hit the market pretty soon, within the next year or so. They are supposed to submit the drug to the FDA for approval in October, and that could make for a pretty exciting summer 2018 launch. So keep your eye out for that one. Reefer Madness. (laughs) Sorry. I'm so sorry. I tried not to say anything. Every time that Christine talks about marijuana, I can't help myself with the weed jokes. (laughs) Well, and, and on a serious note with the weed coverage, I think something that the healthcare show does a really great job of and something that's really needed in the kind of financial media when it comes to marijuana stocks is responsible coverage. Um, you know, something that we focus on a lot at The Fool is the idea of not looking at penny stocks, looking at, you know, businesses that are built for the long term, that are not built on hype. And, and I think kind of reiterating that message to listeners kind of week in and week out as you discuss it, because um, there's so much interest there, is really important. It's a big service. Yeah, there's a lot of interest in penny stocks. People want to get rich quick. At The Motley Fool, that's really not what our investment strategy is. We are buy and hold investors. We want to look out on long, long, long time horizons and buy companies that have businesses that we truly believe in, led by leaders that we know are responsible and doing great things. And we're looking to, to hold and make a profit that way, as opposed to trading in and out of penny stocks that trade on the pink sheets and maybe might be shady. So, yeah, that's a little bit about our philosophy. Yeah, and just to add on to that, one of the really wonderful things about The Motley Fool and industry focus in particular is that we bring a diversity of opinions to stocks. And we bring a diversity of opinions to a variety of different sectors, as you may have heard today. Um, Austin, Austin is our producer. And he's wonderful. Uh, Austin, a quick question for you. Which one of our shows is your favorite? No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not answering that. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Listeners, I'll let you guys pick your favorite after you listen to an entire week. Um, You're more than welcome to write to us at industryfocus at fool.com. Fun fact, we actually answer listener email. You know that we do, because if you look at our four and a half star reviews on iTunes, someone left a review saying that we answered their question. And it's true. I'm here to tell you. (laughs) Yeah, you will hear from one of us directly if you write into the show. And I will say, 
we love getting notes about the show, uh, whether it's feedback, whether it's stuff that we kind of touched on but didn't fully discuss, or if you're like, hey, you guys have never talked about IoT. Can you do an episode on that? Um, we, What's we, IoT for new listeners? Internet of Things, and there will be an episode on tech at some point in the next two months or so. So Thank look out for that. So and the reason there's going to be that episode is because someone wrote in asking for it. There you go. That's us in a nutshell. We do different sectors and we answer your mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else anyone would like to add to this very special episode of Industry Focus? I'll just throw in a, a thanks to our longtime listeners. And we're looking forward to hopefully getting some new listeners and hearing from you all. And also, thanks so much as always to Austin and thanks, Gabby, for hosting. And thanks to everybody else for being a pleasure to work with. Wow, it's a giant love fest in here. Um, listeners, for real, if you guys have any questions for us from something actually stock related to something highly personal, we may not answer the second one, but we'll think about it. Um, go ahead and email us at industryfocus at fool.com or by tweeting us at mfindustryfocus. Thank you to Austin, our wonderful producer. And thank you to y'all for joining us. Everyone have a great week. Thanks, Gabby. Thanks, Gabby. Thanks. Gabby. Thanks. Thanks.